Have you ever heard the mystery of the Cabbage Patch children of the 1880s? Well, some people speculate that perhaps people were birthing children in Cabbage Patches. I know it sounds crazy, but let's take a look at this strange theory and tie it into the new push for children to be grown in little chambers and labs by the company Ectolife that we covered just two episodes ago. Let's get a little bit spooky in this episode of Podcast La Renaissance. When you walk out of here today, don't be afraid to remind our government that they work for us! You must leave the area immediately. If you refuse to leave the area, you will be arrested for North Carolina General Statute. Under North Carolina Stand in the gap. You've got to be subject to the law, whether you have on blue jeans or blue uniforms. What is right is right is right. I don't give a damn what it is. Because guess what? I'm ready to go to jail and die about it. Think globally, act locally. We need to understand what the global agenda is, but we need to act locally to counter it. And we need to do it in a way that occupies peace. We need to do it in a way that is going to make connections with each other locally so that we see each other as human beings. I'm going to leave you with three simple words. Integrity, dignity, and community. And a lot of people were seeing politics at that time, but I was seeing revival. Yes, revival was coming through the realm of politics. Amen. And, uh, and that momentum and that movement is still in our country. Yes, sir. We just need to find avenues to harness it and yes. where, where, where it manifests itself. Stand that flame. We're, we're uh, you know, the move of God is strong in our nation mm-hmm. today. The word of God teaches us in the book of Psalms. It says that if I had wings like a dove, then I would fly away and be at rest. It's released representing the soul of Andrew. To get this into the into the public eye, uh, we're trying to win this war and we can't do it without your help. All right, today I want to talk about something a little bit different, maybe a little bit less serious, but something controversial, but not for the sake of controversy itself, but because it creates an interesting lens through which to look at history. How many of you have ever heard about the Cabbage Patch children? No, not the Cabbage Patch kids, the little supposedly cute dolls and cartoons. No, no, no. Not those of the 1980s, I believe. But no, the Cabbage Patch children of the 1880s. You see, during the 1880s, for whatever reason, there was a proliferation of artwork that seemed to suggest that children were being grown in cabbage patches and basically I mean for the lack of a better word I'm not saying propaganda in a negative sense but it was propaganda there was propaganda that uh, there's propaganda that people needed to repopulate the great repopulation now this was largely a French thing but it all was in tandem with thousands of these images and postcards and artwork about children being grown in cabbage patches. 
And soon after, you had the orphan trains start up because there were so many orphans in these major cities, they started trafficking them out of the cities and into smaller towns where they might be adopted. So some people suggest that perhaps there was a giant cloning process going on of some sort where children were literally be grow being grown like cabbages or something like this. Now that's a little bit insane, but if you go look at the artwork, you had to wonder what the heck was the meaning. You know, and this was pushed. <clears throat> it gets a little bit weirder because this was pushed at the World's Expositions. And every time the World's Expositions come around, some interesting things happen in history. And a lot of modern narratives were actually put on as plays at these exhibitions. The way that we see Native Americans and even slaves as they were three, four hundred years ago is largely in part because of demonstrations put on at the world's exhibition about, you know, this is what it was like. Now that's not necessarily true. It was a play or what somebody wanted people to think about the past. And our perception of the past largely is shaped by these exhibition of events and people don't really know about them or talk about them but a lot of the modern concepts we have about you know Native Americans and these slave things go back to a hundred years ago at the Columbian World's Fair in I believe the 1800s 1880s maybe in Chicago where they basically built the city in a year just to tear it down after a week-long event. I mean, there's just so much weirdness to it. They built these extravagant buildings and then just tore it all down. And some people speculate, well, they tore down ancient cities. Well, at one of these World's Fairs was not only incubators for children, and you could go see the event. It was like an event about, uh, oh, look, there's incubator babies. We're raising them in these incubators. Isn't it amazing? And there's a beautiful side story to that one, actually. I looked into it a bit, and it's not nearly as strange as it seems, but children were being grown in incubators. And when you put that in the context of, well, <laughs> there's literally a company just two episodes ago, right? I covered the company who is going to start making these artificial wombs where children can be grown, you know, outside the womb in these incubators. And... I thought it was weird because this Cabbage Patch thing really started to pick up just a couple weeks ago around the same time as this ecto-life idea started to come up. And it gets you thinking, like, how old is technology really? Now, I know you're talking about, oh, you're saying children being grown in cabbages, you know, back in the 1880s, you're crazy, whatever. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying they were. I, I'm just saying that there's something there. And there was a child boom right then and a lot of orphan children because nobody could take care of them the same time and there was this major push some people say oh Tartarian mud floods and I don't even know what a mud flood could possibly mean I mean what does that mean a mud flood like a, the whole world got covered in mud from what I don't even understand but for whatever reason these postcards were suggesting the population was too low and they needed to repopulate and you look look at the ectolife and they're saying like places like Japan and different areas like that have low population rates and they're suggesting hey we can use this technology to you know boost your population rate so it does lead you to wonder was there a way of genetically modifying children or growing them in incubators of some sort back in the 1880s and I say this because of a few things 
we we really don't have a concept about how old technology is. We seem to think that our ancestors were a bunch of idiots. But the fact of the matter is, in the 1970s and 80s, and even in the 60s and 50s, believe it or not, they had video phones where you could call some of them, you know, when they first were introduced, it was a very rare thing, apparently, where you'd have to go to basically a telephone booth, and your family member would have to go to a different telephone booth that had this video capability, but you could see one another and talk. I mean, this goes back to the 1940s easily. And the people, you wouldn't believe who invented this technology as far as we know, but it was the Nazis. In Nazi Germany, they had video communication, believe it or not. They would talk directly with each other like a Zoom meeting, like we do today. And we think that we're so hip and cool, right? You know, until I learned that, I was like, you know, I thought maybe video technology might go back to, you know, maybe the late 1990s, maybe 1999, maybe there was, you know, video communication like that. But no, it's been going on for almost 100 years at this point and probably longer than that. And then, you know, today I was looking at VR headsets. You know, you like, you think VR headsets are a new thing, but I saw this, it was like a TikTok popped up. It was from 1990, I think. And it was VR headset. It was this terrible virtual reality world, but you could see your hands move in it. It would track your hands and overlay the technology and everything. It was hilarious because it was not that good. And they were like, oh, you can hardly tell it from reality. <laughs> it was so bad. It was, it was hilarious. But I was like, okay, well, when were VR headsets made? I think the first one was made in 1960. 1960. So this, you know, gets you thinking, okay, if we can grow babies in incubators now, who's to say they weren't doing it 100 years ago? And to tie this all back into film and video and technology, the very first film, reportedly, the very first film to ever be made, it was once, you know, this KKK film for the longest time, that's what they thought, but now it's thought that the oldest film ever was shown at this World's Exhibition Fair. And it was in relation... Man, I'm just stuttering right now. It's not a topic I'm used to talking about, so I get a little tongue twisted. It was in relation to Cabbage Patch Children. It was a movie about children being grown in Cabbage Patches. That was the very first film ever made. And they don't have the first mock-up of it because it got lost to time, but they remade the film several times. And you can see the third version of it today. But it really gets you thinking, you know. Video technology goes back to the 1890s. That was when they made the first movie ever, apparently, The Cabbage Patch Children. And they were having these postcards mailed around with this crazy artwork about children being grown in cabbage patches, like, prolifically say well maybe it just was like a cute thing maybe I don't I don't know there's something more to it we don't really know and it's difficult because there's a large language barrier because most of this artwork was French it appears but you have to wonder like why were they trying to repopulate I don't even was there a war around that time pardon my ignorance but why did they need to push to repopulate and then all of a sudden you have this boom of children where they need to be bust around the country, at least in America. A lot of interesting things happening back then. But really, you know, 
it wouldn't be that shocking to me that people could grow children in incubators back then. And they could, to an extent. Because this technology was being shown at the World's Fairs, there was a guy, he was pretending to be a doctor, and he, he made this incubator. And He seemed to be one of the most heartfelt people I've ever seen, like, honestly, like, actually a philanthropist. He dedicated his life, he faked being a doctor, you know, so that is what it is. But he put on these exhibitions about these premature babies and how he was raising them in incubators, and he wouldn't charge the parents of the, you know, the babies he was saving. And he was rescuing premature babies, some of them the size of a hand, like your hand, right? Like tiny babies. And they previously just didn't even try to save them at hospitals, but he invented these incubators around that time. And they were, you know, they would heat and humidify just to the right temperature for the baby. And then they'd have wet nurses go around and feed them. And it's estimated he saved 6,500 premature born babies and died penniless and broke you know destitute basically and no one took him seriously or his invention until after he died of course then all of a sudden the hospital started to use them he would literally do these exhibitions and then when he was done in each city he would give them to the local hospitals but they wouldn't use them because they thought it was worthless to save a premature baby because eugenics was a huge thing around this time and they were like oh if they're too weak to survive you know, outside the womb, then, you know, we don't want to make the population weak. So, you know, essentially they wouldn't, <laughs> you know, save the baby. And this was in the early, I think this was the same time as the Cabbage Patch children. I didn't look at the timeline. I think it was 1893 was when this, these uh, exhibitions were starting. And he used the exhibitions he would charge as a means for funding the incubators, essentially. And he was making a killing, and he was paying everybody well, but, you know, it honestly seemed like he was doing the right thing. But, I mean, imagine that. Like, he's raising children basically outside the womb from premature birth, like, very young babies, some of them. And, you know, it wouldn't be that shocking if they were growing children outside the womb entirely at that point. You know, he'd say, well, why are we doing it now? Well, you know that they had, they had electric cars back then. They had battery-powered cars, electric cars, in the 1900s, early 1900s. They were like the first vehicles. I think Ford was making them. <clears throat> and they were, they were powered by, from my understanding, they were the Tesla towers were shooting out energy, and these cars were just driving. They would just get charged through the air, okay? It was freaking... They, Go look it up. This isn't, it's not even speculation. This is just what was happening. Tesla was like basically shooting electricity through the air. And somehow these greedy corporations got in and figured out how to like make it so you had to direct hardline everything so they could charge you for it based on how much you used. You know, Tesla's technology is just shooting through the air. Anybody could be accessing it. And it, to my understanding, these cars were driving around on electric with Tesla coils. You know, these things were giant shooting out energy for like in entire cities I, I don't know I had to look into it again to really get my facts straight on that because it does sound absurd right but they did have battery powered cars in the 1900s it's nothing new we always think it's new we always think everything's new but as you go back in time you know a hundred years ago there's there's pretty good records of things patent books and patent gazettes and all kinds of com you know committee meetings and all this we, we have a pretty good paper trail of the 1900s but you step back to the 1800s 
you know, the 1880s, 1890s, there's a lot of books you can still find. They're not that uncommon. And they're in pretty good shape, a lot of them, which, which is shocking considering they're 140 years old. But, you know, going back to 1800, you know, books started to get real rare. And, you know, you get in the 1700, you, you might find, you know, a handful from the 1790s. But, you know, by the time you get before that, it's like you're looking at some rare books. And, of course, they exist. And going, I, you know, I've held some books from the 1600s, you know. But they were, you know, in rough shape, and, you know, they might not be around much longer based on how they're cared for. But the record isn't as good when you go back to the 1800s. But who's to say that we didn't have amazing technology that, you know, we don't know about? Of course we did. There's no way we didn't, actually. And, like, this whole electricity is some kind of new discovery. I mean, I, I highly doubt it. It's probably been around for thousands of years. You know, a lot of people speculate that the ancient structures were made with geopolymers that somehow conducted electricity as batteries. The structure itself would conduct electricity. Well, presumably, if they were conducting electricity, they were using it for something. And you step back even further and further and further in time, right? And you look at the Bible, and it talks about how the fallen angels basically bred with the daughters of man and made Nephilim. And it, if you read it in like context, a lot of people don't think that it means that they had sex with the women. It was more like genetic modification. The Bible really talks a lot about genetic modification and producing you know undesirable things and, you know according to God right because it's people making people in their image you know or even fallen angels whatever that means right this whole genetic technology concept is nothing new and one of the most astounding things is in the book of Revelation, and it talks about the number of the chosen being 144,000. Well, Watson and Crick discovered that, you know, there were 72,000 base pairs of, uh, what are they called? There's 72,000 base pairs in our DNA, I think is how you say it. Essentially, you know, the two, there's... 72,000. <laughs> you don't know anything about what you're talking about. I do, a little bit. But, you know, I don't talk about this much. There's 72,000 base pairs. Which, a pair is two things coming together in one, right? So there's 144,000 nucleic acids that come together to make DNA. Each strand, 144,000. The hundred, the you know... And the Bible words is something like the mark of the chosen is 144,000 are chosen or something. Which would mean that 144,000 is clean DNA. Right? I butchered this so bad so far. <laughs> Nobody's going to take what I'm saying seriously. But then you look at the mark of the beast, right? And it doesn't say that the mark of the beast is 666. It says 
you calculate the number of the beast, which is 660 and 6. Which means you add it, you subtract it, you multiply it, and you divide it. And each one of those numbers means something significant. I'm not even going to try to remember them all. But if you multiply 660 times 6, you get 216,000, I believe is the answer. And what you see with a lot of these Satanists is this whole triple helix DNA, right? That they want to add a third strand of DNA. And probably because it's been done before. Okay, this is... It, this is nothing new, right? This is, this is the whole conversation I'm talking about. It. You know, whether or not there's Cabbage Patch Kids in 1880, who knows? Okay, whatever that means. But history repeats itself, and technology is much older than we think. And so, what is 216,000? It's 72,000 times 3, which would suggest triple helix DNA. And if you look into the triple helix DNA, you know, don't spiral too much about it. Because I don't know that they've mastered it yet. But some people suggest that that's what the mRNA thing was. And indeed it kind of is in many ways. Because mRNA is essentially, it's, it's a single strand of DNA. To my understanding. And they, you know, some people claim that they were able to bind it to the regular DNA, the 144,000, and generate DNA that has 216,000 nucleic acids, I believe is how you say it. But, you know, it's been a while since I've looked into genetics, because I've told you I'm more focused on AI right now, because what it is is all this enslavement. It's just a, it's a move towards enslavement. And yeah, if they can modify your DNA and bring you closer to that sure that's what they're going to do but right now that's not their move it's to merge people with technology in every way they can including growing children in laboratories you know and then if they grow them in a laboratory and they're manipulating the dna they might say hey we can create a more stable dna if we uh just add this third strand because we're trying to control the eye color here and you know, we want to make them this tall, but when we do this, we find that the structure of the DNA degrades faster, but we're going to fix it with this third strand of DNA. Problem, reaction, solution, right? It's just always creating a problem so they can come up with whatever excuse they can add it, right? Oh, children, it's safer that they're born in labs because now we can, you know, weed out undesirable traits. But when we do that, there's this whole issue with the deterioration of DNA, and we need to add a third strand. And maybe that's how they do it. But you can look into, just go watch. I'm not going to get into it much. You know, just don't don't get creeped out about it. It's kind of, it is wild how much symbolism there is. I mean, one of the, the queen made a huge one. The, the queen made a big one. Dude, go look up the queen's triple helix DNA symbology. Okay? That's what that lighting ceremony was. I, I remembered seeing it, but I didn't pay any attention. She, she lit these lights, and it was three strands winding together, going up an artificial tree, symbolizing the tree of life, but a digital. It was a fake tree. And it spiraled up. And there was all kinds of this symbology in 2020 to 2022. 
And whether they were able to accomplish it or not, I don't know. You know, what's the purpose? You know, ownership to some extent. You know, same thing, same reason that they modified corn genetically, right? So that they could own the food supply. Well, now they want to own the workforce. But obviously that wouldn't hold up in court. But metaphysically, spiritually, if you never challenge it, it's just kind of accepted, right? On the, on the spiritual level, these people have become slaves. And I think, you know, God's not above, or not, <clears throat> God's not unable to break this, right? He can break it. He can break anything. Now, will he? I don't know. You know, at a certain level, obviously, the Bible lets us know the people will be condemned. I don't think that's the case right now. A lot of people do. I don't think so. I think that there's still a way out of it for people who did get a vaccine. But they are on the path to this digital enslavement, which is coming. Because I really think that people will just enslave themselves by this technology. They'll just continue to consent to it. If somebody got both their vaccines and maybe went in for a booster and all this, you know, they're more likely to put a brain chip in to enter this VR world and, you know, immerse completely in this digital realm to have their children born by these machines rather than, you know, physical birth because it's less dangerous. You know, and then it's not even the living people today, right? That's the target. It's their children. Because once you grow a child in a lab, I mean, grown with artificial DNA, I mean, <laughs> manipulated DNA. What do they say when they manipulate DNA? That they own it. Oh, I thought you were talking about Cabbage Patch children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I told you it wasn't about the Cabbage Patch children per se. It was about something deeper there with the technology and how everything has happened before. You know, that they were messing with DNA back in the biblical times when God flooded the earth. You know, that's... I kind of really lean towards that. That God flooded the earth because men had become genetically different than what he made them through their own machinations. And, you know, it's like not even... That how, how is that even unbelievable? Like you go, oh, there's no way they were that smart. I mean, look at where we've gone in a hundred years, just a hundred years. Go back a hundred years. At least what we're taught, right? There wasn't the Wright brothers were flying their first plane a hundred and nine years ago, I believe. Nineteen seventeen, right? No, hundred and five years ago. Whatever, it was close to that. Nineteen oh seven, maybe. So a hundred and you know, it wasn't even 120 years ago. Whatever. They were flying a little joke of a man-powered, no-prop-having, you know, canvas-and-sticks airplane. And now we have jets just zipping around. Zip, 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 zip. You know, they had telegraph back then. But now we have freaking phones that wirelessly transmit signals everywhere. We can watch videos and content and this and that. Right? And then they figured out, you know, Watson and Crick found, what, DNA in the 60s? And, you know, now we're able to modify it only 50 years after its discovery. So if it only takes 50 years from the discovery of it to figure out how to manipulate it, 
It's not that unbelievable if humans have been around for tens of thousands of years, hundreds of thousands of years, however long they've been around. I don't know what, you know, I don't believe any specific timeline because there's, there's just simply no way of knowing, honestly. And to see how quickly history gets buried, even just from one day to the next, let alone, you know, one year to the next, I wouldn't be shocked to hear that every 100, 200 years we learn how to manipulate DNA and... <laughs> A lot of people die because they think that they can do it better than God did. And lo and behold, they can't, and those people end up dying out. But I think that the ultimate thing is that there will come a time where they become slaves permanently. I don't know. That's just speculation. But to me, I kind of think that's like the formation of hell, right? Because the Bible tells us that they will want to die, but they can't in the end days. And if you're in a digital world, you know, and your body, your soul is somehow uploaded in there, and you're detached from reality because you wanted to live forever and do whatever you wanted, <clears throat> but you did it the wrong way... <laughs> You live forever in this digital world controlled by, you know, the wickedness that controls the world today. So I couldn't imagine how bad things could get there, man. That's like a step removed from here. And I really think that that's where people are headed. I think that's the end goal. The wicked one's plan is that. And if you look around us, we're going there fast. I don't know. I, was, I thought this was going to be a light one, and I'm like kind of realizing this is probably one of the darker ones I've done. Like, you know, Cabbage Patch children. Yeah, I mean, and it's different things, different times, right? So maybe one time we do it in incubators, right? That guy had incubators back then that was, you know, he was saving premature babies' lives. But maybe they were somehow genetically modifying cabbages to grow babies. I doubt it. I mean, maybe the cabbage, you know, if you look at a cabbage, you could construe maybe they considered, you know, babies to come from the cabbage patch, if that's what they thought back then. Maybe it was like a thing in France to refer to certain body parts as cabbages. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Or maybe cabbages were like this. Because cabbages come from, uh, where do they come from? Mustard greens. M mustard green is an amazing plant. Mustard green makes kale, broccoli, I believe cabbage. Yeah, Brussels sprouts. Because Brussels sprouts are just tiny cabbages on a stick. Like, it's all the same mustard plant is broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, mustard greens, kale, and I think a couple other things. So maybe maybe cabbages were, in, were discovered around them, maybe. I'm not sure. It could be. And maybe they were like a life-sustaining food and they were, you know, allowed people to uh, really thrive. And they were seen as for you know, a symbol of fertility because, you know, like the Irish potato famine or whatever, where they were dependent on potatoes, right? 
maybe they, during this time period the French were dependent on cabbages. And they were seen as producing, you know, children. Because they could survive. I don't know. I'm sure there's some kind of missing context. <clears throat> but I don't like to ruin the fun of everything. I've gone from the period where it's like, okay, I believe all these conspiracies and this and that. And I look and everything and take it seriously. To now I'm just kind of burned out. And now I'm like, okay, I'll suspend my disbelief for a moment and just consider, right? Because that's important too. But at a certain point, you know, you start considering everything and you start to take things as real. Life becomes crazy. So I'm just saying, there's something interesting there. What does it mean? I don't know. You combine it with the orphan trains and the dude inventing incubators. And the fact that, you know, they want to grow children in freaking labs right now. With the ecto-life. It's not that far-fetched to me that they could have been growing children back then. They could have been growing them many times in different situations. I don't know. I don't know. Just fun to think about. You know, I don't know what I've proven today other than the fact that... <laughs> most people probably think I'm crazy. It's all good, though. Just speculating. You know, a lot of people out here push crap like it's real. Okay? I don't trust them on my efforts. You know, some things are, is, are real, but... You know... A lot of these people, like the cabbage, the guy that I was watching push this cabbage patch ideology, he's like, you have to understand Tartarian mud floods and this and that and the orphan trains to really get the context of what the cabbage babies are. And I was like, you know, do you really? He just conflated all that with no evidence, right? And then all of a sudden he's painted a, a picture of this imaginary, you know, history, which is an interesting concept and with or without him painting it with all the other stuff. You know, it's still an interesting thing. And it's possible that maybe they were growing children in some new way. That they found out how to grow them outside the womb. Or maybe maybe women could give birth prematurely on purpose. They induced premature birth after three months or something. So the woman could get pregnant three times in a year. Or four times in a year or whatever. You know, if you really wanted to push it, you know, really pop them out. I mean, that's that's realistic considering that they had premature baby incubators. Maybe the rich people were popping out, you know, all these children left and right because they could have them premature and they'd raise them in incubators. I mean, that's possible. Anything's really possible. I mean, look at how far technology's come in 100 years. And you're talking about now getting back to nearly 150, 160 years ago. Who's to know what technology they had? We don't really have a great record of that time period. You know, we have a pretty solid record of the early 1900s, but 1880s, you, you know, things start to fall apart, especially when you talk about other countries. The record starts to get a little slimmer. But who knows? Who really knows? Fun to think about. Anyways, this has been the strangest episode of Podcast of Renaissance. While the revolution may not be televised, we shall podcast Le Renaissance. See you next time.